like one of those canal style boats. Like a houseboat. Yeah, like a houseboat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd oh, love that'd be to fun. live on one of those. You would like it? Yeah, I think yeah. it'd be great fun. So cozy. Does it, do you get seasick in a canal? Because I get seasick everywhere. I don't think it moves very much. I get seasick in the shower. Hello and welcome to the Fierce Females of History podcast. My name is Lucy. I'm Erin. And I'm Talissa. That voice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to make it interesting. Erin, <laughs> it's your turn this week. Yes, it is. Who are we talking about? I'm actually talking about three people this week. Um, so you sis- are such an over overachiever. Uh, yeah, I know. But it makes more sense when as we get grooving. Um, so I'm going to apologise in advance for name pronunciation because this is all set in the Netherlands, so it's all Dutch. And Lots of double letters. <laughs> um, so I'll be talking about Truss and Freddie Oversteen. It's, it's spelled Stegen, but I think it's pronounced Steen. I, I'd imagine so, yeah. Oversteen. Yeah. Oh, the Han- accent, yeah. but. And Hanny Shaft. I can always do a bogan version of any accent, which will probably happen in this story. I just want to <laughs> apologize in advance. And they were all members of the um, resistance, the Dutch resistance Resist. during World War Two. Good for them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so World War Two has broken out. The Nazis have taken over the Netherlands. A young Dutch girl named Truss is hanging out in a busy, expensive bar in the town of Harlem. Harlem, but it's H double A R L. Oh, I think like Harlem, like no, New Orleans, not Harlem. like Harlem Shake, New Orleans Harlem. But the Dutch Harlem. settled New York. New, I mean, New Orleans. I meant New York. But, but the Dutch were like the first guys who came to New York. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. You really? know, not, not the first guys. Obviously, there were you know the, <laughs> there was people there before. There were people there before. Totally. Don't worry, history podcast. But um, I think that's probably where Harlem comes from. Yeah. So that's actually that's very true. So this is the original Harlem. Harlem. O G Harlem. Yes. Okay. Okay, so it's Harlem, Netherlands during World War II. A young Dutch girl named Truss is hanging out in a busy, expensive bar. It's filled with Nazi soldiers. Not before long, she attracts the eye of one young soldier Ooh. fairly high up in the ranks. He approaches her and they get to chatting. Ooh. A bit of the old cheeky flirt. They get chatting, they get flirting. Before long, they decide to go for a walk together. Truss... <gasps> Truss suggests a stroll in the nearby woods. As, Hold on. Um, we all know where this is leading well, to. You know, they're young. Little hanky I'm panky. Ju- hun, I'm not judging. I think there are two ways this could go. Just keep listening. Oh, true. Truss, like, Truss suggests a stroll in the nearby woods. As they make their way through the trees, a man appears out of the bushes. He says to Truss, girl, you know you're not supposed to be here. The pair apologise and swiftly turn around to walk away. Seconds later, gunshots are fired. The Nazi soldier falls to the ground. He is dead. Holy moly. That's what I meant when I said it could go one of two ways. I just thought they were going to get it on the woods. Well, no, before he could even lay a finger. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe she No judgment, Truss. Maybe she just wanted a little cheeky. (laughs) Cheeky pash. I'm not judging. Bye-bye, Nazi. Okay, so let's go I'm back. I'm not mad about how that ended. No. See you, Nazi. See you later. Yeah. Have a, have a okay, nice so um, just very, very briefly, World War II, um, Hitler and the Nazi regime instituted hundreds of laws and regulations to restrict and exclude Jews in society from 1933 when Nazi pow- the Nazi party came to um, popularity and power 
till the start of the war in 1939. Uh, these anti-Semitic laws, I'm saying that right, aren't I? Yeah, anti-Semitic. Anti-Semitic yep. laws were issued throughout all levels of government, making good on the Nazis' pledge to persecute Jews. And it's been in the persecution of Jews and that anti-Semitic um, view has been in history for millennia. Millennia. Yeah. Okay. So this diplomatic win um, in 1933 not only whetted his appetite for a renewed German dominance. On September 1, 1939, Germany invaded Poland, sparking the beginning of World War II. In response, Britain and France declared war on Germany two days later. May 1940, the Nazis invaded the Netherlands, growing the Nazi military force, taking in soldiers and spies and working to eliminate more of the Jewish race there, as you can imagine. Okay, so let's talk about Truss and Freddy. These two lovely girls were born in Haarlem, Netherlands, 1923 and 1925. They grew up on a boat with their mother and father who were strong communists and socialists. Mm-hmm. They were always kept open-minded. Did they grow up on a boat? Yeah, yeah. So they lived on, um, like, they say a ship, but I'm pretty sure it was like one of those canal-style boats. Like a houseboat? Yeah, like a houseboat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'd love to fun. live on one of those. You would like it? Yeah, I think yeah. it'd be great fun. So cosy. Does it, do you get seasick in a canal? Because I get seasick everywhere. I don't think it moves very much. I get seasick in the shower. Like, I <laughs> genuinely get seasick what? everywhere. It's, it'd be a bit of a hodgepodge. I'm quirky lifestyle, but it'd be pretty cool. It'd be like a tiny house. Yeah. I'm a quirky girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a quirky girl. Um, yeah, so they they taught the girls a lot. They taught them, they taught them to stand up for the oppressed and fight injustice. Um, always kept them well informed. Um, when they were younger, they would help their mum make dolls for children caught up in the Spanish Civil War. Oh, so that's they were, nice. They were always taught to like put others before them. Or if there's something that you can do to help someone that's struggling, you do that. From from the minute they were born, yeah. like that was always their way of thinking. Um, they also, um, before the war started, they would hide people from Lithuania um, in their hull of their boat. Oh. Yeah. So they were always, their eyes were always open to everything. Um, and then when the war did eventually break out, they did house a couple of Jews. There was a couple and a mother and a son that stayed with them as well. Um, their mum and dad did eventually divorce one day uh, when mum was just fed up with him for not providing enough to cover the rent and stuff. <laughs> Super random. He also sung a French farewell song and then just like peaced out on his <laughs> way off the boat. <laughs> Yeah, on his way off the boat. What? And so he wasn't really in the girl's life very much after that. After but... his French farewell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah literally. He was just like, okay, bye. I wonder if it was the divorce or just the French farewell that turned them off him. <laughs> yeah, they like, were like, you know what? We could have lived with the with the broken family, but the farewell was just too much, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I watched a TV show the other day where a girl broke up with a guy and as she walked away, she sang the Beyonce boy bye lines. Like, respect. I actually think it was boy really back. great. So it adds a little bit of drama. Yeah, exactly. Bit of a soap opera vibe. <laughs> Love it. Um, so then after that, they moved off the boat and into an apartment <laughs> Where they slept on. I just can't get over this guy. Being like, oh, wow. oh, and wow. they just like clo- oh, wow. they like close close the door slowly <laughs> on his face. Bye, Dad. Okay, Dad. See you next summer. Stop singing. Yeah. Um. So I'm not sure if this was before that all went down or after when they were in the apartment, but their mother and father, and especially their mother, was very involved in the Communist Party and the Socialist Party, and they would have a lot of meetings at their place mm-hmm. and the girls would be there. So they they were constantly 
getting all the information. Wow. They were always up to that. They were never sheltered. And so when the war did eventually break out, they helped hand out anti-Nazi pamphlets. Um, yep. And they would also um, go up to – I'm not sure if this is after they joined the resistance or before or both, but there was lots of posters in town advertising for Dutch men to go and fight with the Germans – and what they would do is just come along and like slap something over the top, <gasps> like glue something over the top being like, don't fall for this. This is wrong. Whoa. Like, yeah. These are young. These are girls that are like 11, 12, 13 cool years old. Girl. Wow. That's like yeah. you block the trolls on Twitter. Yeah, 100%. Mm. Just yeah. block those trolls. Anyways, in 1941, when they were aged 14 and 16, a man came to the door of their new apartment and asked their mother if the girls could join the underground resistance. <gasps> And his argument was that they are young and they are female and they are innocent looking. They are the perfect, like, oh, perfect my person that we need to help infiltrate and pick off these. Random aside, have you guys seen the new Charlie's Angels movie? Not yet. There's no. a line at the beginning, Kristen Stewart's character, who is actually fantastic, says that it takes men, I think, an average seven seconds longer to perceive a woman as a threat when interesting threatening like statistically which goes, yeah which goes in with that don't know christian stewart was correct but but, but yeah, also make you nervous that all these old nazi dudes are like oh we could definitely get distracted by a young innocent girl that's so scary but so true i know but like ugh. but you need Gross. to remember that soldiers i'm not i'm talking about soldiers in general were very young Mm. Oh, that's true. Okay. They were very young. And also a lot of the old ones were just pigs as well. Nazis. I mean, they were Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said, don't Anyways, worry. Anyways, we'll get to that a little bit later. So they were very young, 14 and 16, young girls, plaits in their hair, very innocent looking, but obviously don't judge a book by its cover in this case. Mum said, hell yes. <gasps> yep. And obviously they were like, sign us up. What do you, where do you need us? Uh, we'll get our bikes. And literally <laughs> they did, like using their bikes with the baskets on the front was basically how they got around and they were the first two girls to join the group which at the time was only made up of seven so this was the harlem dutch resistance group right underground resistance group among the many things that they did they used dynamite to disable bridges and railroad railroad tracks casual (laughs) they helped smuggle jewish children out of the country They became couriers for newspapers and informational messages, which they usually hid in their bike baskets right next to their handgun because they eventually (gasps) wanted (laughs) to. Because originally they were going to be used as couriers or, you know, sort of to lure Nazis away and, you know, obviously they could. But they also were like, hang on a second, we want to know how to use guns. We want to know how to use weapons. Hectic. Um, so yeah, they would ride around with messages in their bike baskets and then of course lure Nazi soldiers or traitors, which was another big one into the woods and they would shoot them. Um, they often did the same thing from their bicycles, which made for a faster getaway. Whoa. Yeah. So a lot of the time the operation involved truce going into bars and saying, trust me, truce, truce, trust me. I'm a girl. Come to the woods and trust trust me. (laughs) My name is not trust though. You can't spell trust without trust. (laughs) (laughs) That's how she did it. That's exactly what she did. Verbatim. Um, And she would take them in and uh, Freddie would keep watch. She would be her lookout, um, hidden in the bush. And then a man who was not known to them, but definitely known to trust, obviously, um, would pop out and they would startle, turn around, and then the Nazi or the traitor would get shot. How many 
people followed them into the woods? A lot. Wow. In terms of numbers, they actually never ever admitted how many they <gasps> killed because they said somewhere that they were soldiers and soldiers don't admit how many people they've killed. Is that a, a soldier thing? I don't know if it's a thing. What? But that's what they said. They weren't – it's not like they loved what they were doing. They didn't love that they had to do it. No. It was just that what else were they going to do? Yeah. They were seeing people get shot in the street. They were seeing their friends get torn away and sent off to concentration camps. Like mm. they were – yeah. And obviously when they're growing up around this their whole life, their eyes are wide open to the world. Yeah. Like, you know. Anyways. So this is a direct quote um, from a story from Truss. It is a bit graphic though, so I will warn you. Once I was confronted with an SS soldier, a Dutch SS soldier, who was killing a small baby by hitting it against a wall. He grabbed the baby and hit it against the wall. The father and sister had to watch. They were obviously hysterical. What the fuck? The child was dead. I shot that guy right there and then. That wasn't an assignment, but I don't regret it. So horrible. This is a 14... 16-year-old girls as well. Oh it's horrific. God. Okay, I'm going to leave Truss and Freddie there for a little while. Hi. We'll come back to them a little bit later. And now I'm going to move on to the beautiful Honey Shaft. Okay. Okay. Pray for me as I say poor Honey's name. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually – it's spelt Jeanette G, but it's Janich Joanna Shaft. That is her full birth name. Ooh. Okay. But when she joined the resistance, she became known as Honey. Okay. Yep. She also became known as the girl with the red hair. Oh. Yeah, because she had very, very red hair. Wow. Can I just say as well, I, I don't – I looked for movies and documentaries on these three women and it is minimum. It is minuscule. There's one documentary that a Dutch filmmaker made about the sisters that's not translated into English. There is a Dutch feature film that was made in the 80s based on Honey that is not uh, – not, you can't get it anywhere. Unless you're obviously in the Netherlands, it's great. It's an easy watch. But that's it. Are you kidding? That's it. And there's been a few BBC specials online. How? This is like the yeah. best movie plot yeah. ever. There has been some books written about them though and I will get to that. But this – like when I first read these stories, I couldn't believe that this hadn't been made into a film. Let's yeah. just make it into a movie, guys. I think we need to. We can okay. play the three gals. Yeah. Lucy's obviously going to be honey. I do not look Dutch. Okay, let, let me get back to – You can be the French father. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I'd be honoured. Truly, I would be honoured. Okay, let's get to Hanny's Hanny's story. <clears throat> Hanny is very well known in the Netherlands for this. Okay, so Hanny was born the 16th of September 1920, also in Harlem, Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Uh, her mother and father were, p- were part of the Social Democratic Workers' Party, so Hanny also grew up around politics like um, Truss and Freddie. Mm-hmm. Um, her parents were really protective of her, of her as well because her older sister died when she was young. Aww. Now, she was very studious and very into politics and that's and politics and law and that's what she wanted to pursue from a young age. Nice. So she enrolled in the University of Amsterdam to study law and human rights. She befriended some Jewish students, Feline Polak and Sonja Frank. And when Germany took over the Netherlands in 1943, university students had to sign a Declaration of Allegiance. Which, of course, our girl Hanny was like, nah, I'm good. Pass, thank I'm you. A, I'm going to pass on that. <laughs> um, and as a result, herself 
and 80% of students didn't sign and were, 80%. Ki- 80% and were kicked out. Yes. They were kicked out of oh, uni. Oh, that's good. From then, Hanny was like, ha oh, I'm not going away quietly. Cue mission resistance. <laughs> so she joined up at around the age of 22. Hanny and um, Truss were already a part of this resistance group and they became friends. Um, she started out by committing small acts of rebellion by stealing ID cards for her Jewish residents and friends. Um, soon she wanted to work with weapons and take on assassination targets on Germans, Dutch Nazis and traitors. Wow. That is She's some crazy career progression. I know. <laughs> yeah, but this is the thing. She was like, okay, I can't study anymore. I'm not going to just sit at home and do what people think I should be doing. I'm going to do quite the opposite. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and obviously she was very, very educated as well. Um, she learnt fluent German so she could become involved with German soldiers. And when we say involved, we mean just mean involved? that she could, she could do what she needed to okay. do to set up Converse assassinations. With them yeah. Things like okay. That. Gotcha. Um, she, oh, okay. Uh, so she would do similar things as Truss and Freddie. Um, so she would commit assassinations. She would infiltrate, um, railway lines. She would do wow. all those things like that. Um, and before long, Nazis did become familiar with her and caught on that she was this girl with red hair. I mean, it would make it quite distinct. Exactly. Exactly. So she um, basically mm. got on their hit list not very long after that, after they caught on to what was going on. Um, there was at one point where her parents were actually captured and put oh. into a com- concentration camp to co- try and get her to ease off oh my on her resistance work goodness. because somehow her identity got leaked and because obviously there's just traitors left, yeah. right and centre. Um but eventually they were released. So Hanny, instead of going ag- again to do what she sh- was supposed to potentially be doing, she dyed her hair black and resumed her resistance work. Seems like a pretty easy way to. <laughs> yep. Where'd um, the girl with the red hair go? We we just don't know. Exactly. I don't know her. Yep. So she dyed her hair black and resumed her resistance work in assassinations and sabotage along with some courier work and uh, <laughs> of illegal weapons and newspapers. Got to have a side hustle. I know, right? When I hear courier work, I just imagine someone dropping off packages. I'm like, could you sign here, ma'am? Yep, the thing is. Literally, <laughs> but like she was querying like um, illegal, illegal newspapers, yeah. Yeah, anti-Nazi yeah. messages and weapons and everything. But I just love the image of three gorgeous young women and girls, teenagers, yeah, running do, around do, 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 <laughs> down the road. With their lovely plaits in their hair, smiles on their faces. Baskets on their bikes. Baskets on their bike <laughs> filled with guns. <laughs> it's amazing. It's iconic. It really is. It is so badass. I literally can't get over it and literally can't get over that it hasn't been made into a film. Yeah. Or that, well, there's not enough on these women. Like this, yeah. this is incredible. How? Anyways, I, guess I know. The time, they're a bit busy. Mm. bit busy to run busy. things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, unfortunately, on April 17th, 1945, Hanny was stopped at a checkpoint by Nazi soldiers. Her bike basket was searched and they found an illegal newspaper and a handgun. She was taken into custody and interrogated. Before long, someone identified who she was by the roots mm. of her hair. <gasps> yeah. She was tortured and killed. Oh, God. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and she was 24 years old. Oh. Yeah, really heartbreaking stuff. To make it even worse... If that wasn't bad enough, 18 days later, the Netherlands were liberated. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. It's 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 really heartbreaking that she got that far doing such brave and just dangerous stuff. Out of this. Yeah, exactly. Just these. I don't even. Like, you can't even put words on it because it's just so 
horrific that you were driven to have to do these things. Yes. Yeah. Um, and she got so far and, yeah, and then 18 days before she was killed. But they have been remembered, particularly Honey, for her work um, in during the world, during World War II, um, of which three quarters of the Dutch Jewish population were killed, by the way. Really? Three quarters. Mm-hmm. Um, after the war ended, Honey was reburied with the honours from Queen Wilhelmina, Wilhelmina and Prince Bernhard of the Netherlands. Mm. Over 50 cities in the Netherlands have a street named after her. Really? Yep, and a memorial is held every year in honour of Honey Shaft. Truss and Freddie survived the war and li- lived long lives. Obviously, there was a lot of PTSD and... Oh, yeah. Yeah, and like... To be fair, I think a big reason why there isn't a lot of stuff around is because they don't want to talk about it. Yeah. It's not something that they're proud of. It's just something that they had to they do. Had to do. Yep. Um, yeah, that's fair. Truls went on to have four kids oh. and named her eldest after Honey. Oh, that's yeah. nice. so nice. Um, she died in 2016, aged 93. Okay. 93? Yeah, it's awesome. And Freddie died in 2018, aged 92, I think the day before her 93rd birthday. Oh. How cool is that? Yeah, that's really cool. That means I, they died a year apart. Because weren't they two years different? They difference? were two years different. So they died one year after the other. Yeah, really, really, Aww. really sweet. Um, Truss, before she died, Truss became a public speaker and an artist, which helped her with her grieving and her post-war process, yeah. obviously. She did a lot of sculpturing and was kind of part of her like sort of anti-traumatic. How do you even begin to... Exactly. As a 16-year-old and 14-year-old too, like... They doing don't even things. have the brain capacity yeah. to, but yet they were doing yeah. things that probably in the end had such a big impact on the way that people survived. But still horrible things. To an end. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're still horrible things. Exactly. And, and that's, that's the other thing, you know, I was saying before how they really didn't, it's not that they had any joy or pleasure in doing what they had to do, mm. but they were at their wits end. Like, what do you, like they had to do it. They felt they had to do it. And Truss also said, it was tragic and very difficult. We cried about it afterwards. We did not feel it suited us. It never suits anybody. One loses everything. It poisons the beautiful things in life. Um, And this is an excerpt from a book called Seducing and Killing Nazis by Sophie Poldermans. This is also Truss. You can have any political conviction or be totally against war, but at the moment you're seeing people shot in the street you were just a human being confronted with something very cruel. Shooting innocent people is murder. If you experience something like this, you'll find it justified that when people commit treason, such as exchanging a four-year-old Jewish girl for 30 Australian dollars at the time, mm. you act against it. Wow. Yeah. It was trash. We removed tumours from society wow. by doing what we did. Yep. I know. It just gives me chills. Like, oh. These women, these girls. girls, these are girls, these are girls 14 and 16 that are f- bad ass girls during World War II and you just don't hear a peep about them. Nope. It's crazy. Anyways, I'm just going to go start writing the script for this feature film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of the Fierce Females of History podcast. Thanks for that story, Erin. No worries. You can hit us up in two formal places. One is the email, which is fiercefemalesofhistory at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Instagram at Fierce Females Podcast or Facebook. We've got a page. We do. Or you can come over, make us a pot of tea, pour it out. We'll drink the tea. We're going to put the cup upside down on the saucer. We're going to lift it back up and we're going to read the tea leaves, see what you had to say. <laughs> <laughs> but don't come find us. <laughs> <laughs>